0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time, on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. In his new book, *Embracing the Wide Sky: A Tour Across the Horizons of the Mind*, our guest today, prodigious savant Daniel Tammet, sheds light on the mysteries of a savant's incredible mental abilities and our own. Tammet is also the author of the New York Times best-selling memoir *Born on a Blue Day* and the subject of the award-winning documentary *Brain Man*. His remarkable memory, mathematical, and linguistic abilities have been studied by some of the world's leading neuroscientists at California's Center for Brain Studies and the UK's Cambridge Autism Research Center. Daniel Tammet welcome to Weekly Signals.
1: Thank you. Thank uh, you for inviting me.
0: And, and you're in the south of France? Is that where you live?
1: That's right. I live in Avignon now.
0: Ah, very nice. Do you, do you like it there? Or were you originally from England?
1: I'm originally from England. I was born and raised in London. I'm the eldest of nine children. Um, I uh, moved to France about a year ago. Uh, there's wonderful weather and uh, and very good food here as well. Oh,
0: very good. Was that the attraction, the food and the weather for you?
1: It was certainly uh, a big part of it, yes.
0: <laughs> That's good. So, so you're enjoying yourself. That's wonderful. Now, tell us what it is to be a prodigious savant. What, what, is, what characterizes that trait, and what makes you different from people like me?
1: Well, savant syndrome is a very unusual condition. It's a very rare condition, which is perhaps why many people have um, perhaps preconceptions, misconceptions about what it actually is. People think about Rain Man, for example, which was a fantastic film, um, but it's 20 years old now, and a lot of the science has moved on. our brains develop very quickly. And in people with autism, sometimes those developments in the brain can lead to unusual abilities, and that would be a savant. And I have a very mild form of autism known as Asperger's syndrome. Um, So my brain has developed in such a way that there are certain things that I find very difficult that most people find very easy. Having a conversation, for example, as we're having now is something I had to learn consciously over many years. Mm-hmm. Eye contact, understanding body language, all of those things. At the same time, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm very good with mathematics, language learning, um, memory skills, and so on. Uh-huh.
0: Now, you, you mentioned misconceptions that, that people have about uh, uh, savant. Uh, you mentioned Rain Man what are those what did Rain Man and uh, the s- misconceptions for 20 years ago what's the difference what do we know about uh, uh, Savant uh, that has changed in the last 20 years?
1: Well, I think the main misconception has actually come from um, a book a very famous book by Oliver Sacks the psychiatrist mm-hmm. neurologist um, the man who mistook his wife through a hat yeah. and Sacks claims to have met with autistic savant twins who were able to count instantly 111 falling matchsticks. And this was, of course, famously adapted and put into the film with Dustin Hoffman. Now, as I show in my new book, in Embracing the Wide Sky, that account is flawed, and there is a much simpler explanation than the one that Sachs gives, that the savants, in fact, counted the matches beforehand, chose... Okay. Specifically, to have 111 of them, because it is to them a very beautiful number, and of course to everyone, it's a very matchstick-like number when you think about it. One, one, yeah. one. Yeah. As
0: yeah. we're speaking with Daniel Tammet, the book is embracing the wide sky, and, and you, you spoke about uh, the number 111 in your book, and, and how numbers bring about colors and textures into your mind. That it's not about numbers to you as much as it is about. Uh, about other experiences that you're going through when you when you see numbers, can you talk a little bit about that,
1: that that's right i mean when, when I think about numbers, I think about shapes, colors, textures, and those are things that I can uh, manipulate in my mind that i can that I can pull apart, that I can move around and and compare with other shapes and colors, and it gives me an ability to think about numbers which which is very different from how most people do. To most people, numbers have no real meaning. They're just squiggles of ink on a page. And perhaps for that reason, people get very scared of, of doing sums or thinking about numbers, trying even to remember a person's telephone number, for example. And in my case, it's very different. Numbers belong to webs of meaning. They're connected to every other number. And because I can visualize them, I can visualize those connections and make sense of them in the same way. Um, an example i give from the book is for language and the fact that most people when you think of a word you visualize it consciously or unconsciously so for example the word giraffe you will immediately think of the animal in your head and it will um, access words like neck and tool and, and animal and so on and you'll be able to visualize all of those associations and you're doing that unconsciously and instantly and i'm doing something similar when i think of one one one, the number we've already talked about, that's thirty seven multiplied by three. And I have the roundness of the number three, which to me is a round number. I have the lumpiness of the number thirty seven, which to me is a a number rather like oatmeal in texture. <laughs> and I can visualize I can visualize those associations in the same way that you can visualize the
2: associations that make a giraffe what it is. Does, does this uh does this ability um have an effect on the way that uh, people look at uh, linguistics, the way we incorporate, the way we learn language? Is, is, is what you're doing have impacted any of the sort of in, the, in that field of study?
1: Yes, I mean, one of the things that I'm very interested in is language. I know 12 languages. Um, I can learn a new language very quickly, as I did in the the Brain Man documentary where I was asked to learn a language and given Icelandic to learn in in a few days. Um, And one of the chapters in Embracing the Wide Sky is all about language learning and all about what we now know about the science of language and how it works in the brain. And one of the interesting things is that people seem to have intuitions for how language works. We're all born with that ability. Everyone learns their first language very easily. They're not given verb tables to recite by their parents or grammar books to study. They just are able to pick up that language. And, but there's a big mystery, a big puzzle to linguists as to how that works. How do very young children speak by the age of four or five almost well, perfectly their first language? And my theory i think of 37 as, as lumpy or three as round that everyone is born with those instincts and intuitions for how words feel um, whether a word is heavy or soft or small or big or dark or bright and that very often those associate those 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 uh, textures and feelings inside the mind and um, those intuitions sound in them and i sound as in little and tiny and itty bitty and minuscule Mm -hmm. describe small things and similarly um words that uh, start with gl glitter glow glimmer gleam and and so on often relate to light or vision Mm -hmm. so it does seem as if there are many relationships that make sense of language and that we're all born with that ability to intuit that and to and to make those associations, but we lose it. We lose it partly biologically. The brain is constantly changing through childhood, but also, I think, more importantly, in terms of education. We, we're not taught to think about language in that way. We're not taught to um, use our intuitions when we're learning a new language, and I think that that really lets most people down. So in the in Embracing the Wide Sky, what I try to do is give lots of examples and lots of ideas and strategies to help people train those intuitions
2: right now now is is the uh, is uh, there are a lot of do you find it nonverbal uh, observations help I- in learning a language in other words when we're children we're not only hearing words for the first time beginning to understand what they mean but we're taking nonverbal cues from the people who are telling us the, or who are saying these things to us has that been a, a key factor
1: yes I mean obviously as we're learning we're surrounded by the language or surrounded by an environment in which the words come alive to us it's not just as we're taught in the classroom very dry boring lists of words and conjugation tables and so on and that clearly gives us a a great advantage, a great leg up when it comes to learning our first language, but there's no reason why we couldn't um, uh, do something similar for other languages as well when we're learning a second language at school or university or in in, 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 ad, in adulthood. At any age, in fact, there's no reason why we couldn't also try to find a way of accessing those intuitions um, because and I think that's the key point in the book that these are things that everyone can do you don't have to be a savant you don't have to be autistic Um, these are things within the human brain they come more easily to me because of the way my brain has has been wired slightly differently but nonetheless these are things that we share these are things that we have in common savant or non-savant that anyone can access
2: or tap into they just need to know how Daniel Tammet, let me ask you one quick question. Uh, you, you were talking about the words that uh, sound similar and they, they tend to mean the same things like glitter and gold. But does this, is this true across languages? In the 12 languages you've learned, have you seen that same pattern uh, with, with all of these languages? Are there some that are radically different in the, in their, the, the way that they approach uh, the spoken word?
1: I think that's the most interesting thing, that, that these, these patterns seem to hold across pretty much every language all languages now of course um, the sounds that a language would choose or a language will, will evolve to have um, and to attach meaning to will be different for every language but once you get inside that language and you know what to look for you you'll find that your intuitions will and your instincts for what these words mean what they sound like um, are pretty good and can improve if, with, with practice if what to look for when you're practicing constantly. Um, But certainly the example I gave of um, the the eye sound being associated with smallness, this is something that linguists have done a lot of research on and they've found that that does seem to pretty well hold for for all languages everywhere across the world. So it does suggest that these are things that we're born with regardless of where we're born and regardless of how we're raised. but that. You know, education lets us down, lets people down, doesn't let us use our instincts, train our intuitions, um, go with our imagination. And I think that's one of the big things I try to get across in, the, in, in Embracing the wide Sky, that, you, as I say, you don't have to be an autistic savant, that these are abilities in every brain. Um, and have fun, you know, have fun with your learning. That's the most important thing.
0: Yes. Now, you say that education lets us down. Have you ever thought about, why it does? Do you think that there are people that want to control us? Is that one reason? Or do you think it's that people just don't want to have fun? They don't want to have fun with learning. They, they want to learn a, a block of information and, and not see any connections.
1: Well, I think part of the problem is that obviously um, systems of education are designed to um, make children ready for the workplace and so we're taught skills We're not necessarily taught how to make best use of our imagination, how to be creative, how to think for ourselves, um, how to use our intuitions and our own instincts and so on when we're learning new information. Um, And there is a chapter in the book about thinking, for example, about how we can learn to think for ourselves, how we can um, assess information. That's very, very important to be able to think for ourselves, to be able to take information that somebody gives us Make of it, and know whether it's, it's likely to be useful to us or not to be useful. Um, and these are really important skills, and, we, and people don't teach us these things. And, you know, I, there are all kinds of guesses, I guess, as to why that might be. My own uh, feeling is that, as I say, uh, I think the system isn't really designed to do that, it isn't really designed to do anything other than put us through an education system
0: We're speaking with Daniel Tammet. The book is Embracing the Wide Sky. And uh, speaking of uh, thinking for yourself, you've created your own language. I, I think it's pronounced, is it Manti? Manti, yes. Monty. Now, that has an I in it. Is there, <laughs> is, is there anything small or little or, or inky-dinky about it?
1: Uh, well, it's not the most prominent sound in the word, uh-huh. so it wouldn't. it wouldn't have that feel to it necessarily, no, it actually comes from a Scandinavian word for pine tree Uh and the association is with Scandinavia because pine trees grow there in in great numbers this is a Scandinavian language or it would be if it really existed Uh I've created many words, many concepts in this language because often I've come across ideas and haven't been able to find a word for it and you know doesn't really make a lot of sense to try to invent a word in French or German or, or Spanish or whatever. Um, to me, it makes more sense to try to have fun with the language, play with it, you know, and, and, and create my own words. Mm-hmm. so that's, you know, there's a chapter on creativity, for example, in Embracing the White Sky, and I list many of these words and explain what they mean, explain why they mean this and give people a feel for, you know, what this sort of linguistic creativity is all about. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, there are studies of twins who aren't autistic, but who from a young age talk together in their own language and create their own language. And again, this suggests that that everyone is born with this sort of great creative ability, but people lose it very early in life. And so I try to explore that question. Why do people lose it? How can they perhaps be more creative? a very interesting question, and we're really only just
2: scratching the surface of it. Well, well Daniel Tammett, you, you seem to uh, you seem to see language as uh, a very important component to a creative mind. And in what respect does mathematics play into that creativity? Is it, are these two sides of of a coin? Are they related in some? How are they related in your mind?
1: Well, I think, to me, certainly they are related. I, as I said, think of numbers as belonging to clusters of meaning, webs of meaning, so the numbers are related to every other number and I'm able to visualise those relationships and associations and patterns. Uh, And we do a similar thing in language, as I described with the example of a giraffe, for example. Um, So clearly what I'm doing with numbers isn't so different from what most people do unconsciously and instantly for words in their their native language. Um, And in terms of intuitions as well, it does seem as if people are actually born with an instinct not just for language but for mathematics as well babies for example uh, as young as five months old um we now know that they count they're able to look at sequences of dolls for example i mean i give examples of these tests in, and studies in the book um and can tell whether the sum literally adds up or not um, And this is very interesting. Again, it suggests that people, when they say, I'm not good at sums, I'm not good at numbers, I can't remember numbers, I I can't do sums, um, it's not true, you know, that everyone is born with these intuitions, um, but people lose them. And the question is, why do they lose them? How can they get them back? And I explore this in the book. I think an interesting thing as well to say here is that beauty... A sensibility for words and numbers and so on. is very, very important. I think it's a big part of how I think, a big part of how everyone yeah. could think as well. Yeah. Einstein famously described his equations as beautiful. He said equals mc squared was a beautiful thing. It wasn't just a, a complex thing or, or a difficult thing or a fascinating thing. It was beautiful to him. It was literally beautiful. And uh, I think that, you know, that sense of beauty is something that everyone can Understand and tap into.
2: Did, just out of curiosity, when you just said E equals MC squared, do you see that in in a in a way that my I might not see it? That the actual formula itself is it something that? What you, visualization? Yeah. What you... visual? What do you visualize when you hear that?
1: Well, I don't have any background in physics, okay. so I wouldn't be able to visualize what that actually means in in any deep way. But uh. certainly, the equation is, is has a colour to me. It has a green color, mm-hmm. because the letter E is green, and I, I do see words, as I do numbers, in, in colors. Richard Feynman, who was a, a very famous mm-hmm. uh, yes. American physicist, I quote him a couple of times in the book, also described seeing equations in different colors.
2: Uh, now, one last quick question. I find it interesting that the, the language of our technology, of our computers, is numbers. And and you and you're ta- and then we have our own languages, which both, in their own way, have g- are gateways to creativity. Do you find that? Do you think there's a connection there in the, in that?
1: Yes, I mean, well, certainly, I I think computers are very important. Um, they've you know help us a great deal in our day to day lives. I think one of the things I should also just quickly say um, here, which I bring out in the book, is that our brains don't actually work though. As computers do and that's one of the misconceptions that I try to tackle in the book and Mm -hmm. you know when you give computers rules they can follow those rules extremely well but they can't actually change those rules by themselves Mm -hmm. which is why you wouldn't be able to give computers the rules for painting and let it produce a Picasso for example it could never do something like that Um, and how my brain works people have often described me as a computer a human computer and so on and of course how I think when you actually read the book, you'll realise it works nothing at all like a computer. It's mm-hmm. to do with the sensibility for how words and numbers work, how they relate to each other, the beauty of the colours and the shapes that I visualise in my mind, um, and the love—the love I have for these things—you know—a a real love and appreciation for this information and how and the patterns and the relationships that I can see. Uh, in that information, and the, again, these are all things that anyone can do, mm-hmm. that anyone can can understand, um, and can tap into. And so, I give lots and lots and lots of ideas and techniques in the book to help people do that.
2: Well, it's a fascinating book. It's a fascinating look into into our the ability of of our minds. Uh, and um, by, by the way, a belated happy birthday to you, Daniel. <laughs> Thank yes. You. yes. Very good. Uh, Very kind. uh the book is embracing the wide sky a tour across the horizons of the mind we've been speaking with daniel tammet thank you so much for being here on weekly
1: signals well thank you so much for inviting me
0: to learn more about weekly signals interviews including upcoming guests or to download the podcast visit our website at weeklysignals.com and be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.